Welcome to the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. I am your host, Attorney Jeremy Pook, founder of Senior Attorney Match. Here, we discuss how attorneys who have practiced for more than 30 years can monetize their law practices. We also explain how to value and how to sell a law practice and the logistics involved when transitioning a law practice to a successor lawyer or law firm. This is the West Coast version of Trial Attorneys Open for Business. Very excited today to welcome two esteemed members of the California Bar. And we also have returning to the Trial Attorneys Open for Business, attorney Sarah Worley, a nationally recognized mediator. We are welcoming attorney Rob Cartwright. Rob leads the Cartwright Law Firm, which is based in San Francisco. Rob is the immediate past president of the San Francisco Trial Lawyers Association. Rob sits on the Board of Governors for AAJ and the Consumer Attorneys of California, which Rob was formerly president of. And we're also joined from the California Bar by attorney Brent Wisner. Brent is a partner with Baum, Headland, Oresti, and Goldman, which is based in Los Angeles. Brent himself is an LA native. Brent is deep-rooted in helping those who have been marginalized and hurt by large and sometimes malicious corporations. His focus is on pharmaceutical class action litigation, toxic tort injuries, whistleblower matters, and consumer fraud litigation. Brent is the only lawyer in the United States to have served on all of the trial teams for the first three Monsanto Roundup trials. And Sarah Worley, as we mentioned just a moment ago, is a nationally recognized mediator and arbitrator. Sarah has mediated well over 5,000 personal injury law matters over the course of Sarah's career, 21 years as a neutral. Sarah is on the Distinguished National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. We have three questions that we're going to discuss during today's podcast. The first question is how personal injury law matters continue progressing even as courts may remain closed for trials for months to come while we're now in our second full month of the pandemic. Rob, could you please address first, how are you seeing PI matters progressing in your firm? Well, it's been an interesting you know, month and a half here since we went into lockdown. I think there were a lot of firms, both on the plaintiff and defense side, that at first sort of took it as a vacation and everybody went home and just stopped working. It was very hard to get a hold of opposing counsel. But I think everyone has gotten into the swing of things with working at home. We've had Zoom meetings with opposing counsel, and I have found it very helpful to have a morning meeting every morning with my staff which gets people out of bed and five feet to their office desk in their bedroom, and we get the day started. So I think it's a good way to kick off the day and and keep, keep matters moving forward. The next thing, it's been important to get mediations set up and scheduled in order to keep cases moving forward. And defense lawyers have been very willing to set mediations. There have been a lot of canceled mediations, so mediators seem to have openings in their schedules. I've done four so far. I have two scheduled tomorrow. It'll be the first time I've ever done two mediations simultaneously, but I'll I'll just have uh, one computer in one room and another computer in another room, and I'll be able to walk back and forth between the two mediations quite quite easily. 
and we'll see how that goes. Depositions by Zoom, I mean, we've been doing satellite depositions for decades, but being able to do them on these newer platforms really works quite well. It's less expensive. There are disadvantages to not being in person at a deposition, but certainly works well enough in a pinch that if you need to keep cases moving, these depositions have to go forward. And, you know, at least you've got some video that you can use at trial. So it's actually the next best thing and and people ought to be using this technology. So we're open for business. There's no reason cases can't keep moving forward. Certainly going to be challenging if we can't get a jury trial date. But aside from that, we hope to be able to keep cases going and to resolve them as best we can under the circumstances. Thank you. And before we ask Brent for his perspective from the Mass Torch side, what's been your perspective and experience, Rob, with insurance adjusters and defense counsel? Are they also as open for business as you are? We've had some difficulty with communications, people responding to telephone calls and emails. And I don't know if people are out hiking or riding their bike or something, or I'm not sure what they do when they shelter in place. Seems like it's a little more difficult, but nonetheless, we have been able to stay in touch with some difficulty. And I've seen a willingness to schedule depositions and to set mediation. So that's been encouraging. In fact, I think that a lot of my brothers and sisters on the other side, on the defense side, you know, they want to keep working and they need to keep billing and they need to justify their existence as well. So, you know, they seem perfectly happy to crank out a lot of discovery right now and to respond to discovery and set depositions. So, you know, we all need to keep working. And I think a lot of these lawyers don't want to get laid off right now either. So they're working the cases hard. Thank you. And Brent, can you give us a perspective from the mass torts side? How are you finding with courts being closed, stay at home orders in place? How are you keeping active in your practice from a mass torts perspective? You know, it's pretty interesting because when you compare a typical PI case to a mass tort case, it's basically the same basic blueprint, but everything is magnified by a thousand, right? So we have not just one plaintiff, we have 10,000 plaintiffs. We have not just one defendant, we have 50 defendants. And what I see happening in the mass tort field is really transitioning the, the workload to those areas that don't require in-person sort of interactions, right? So, so much of our cases are driven by discovery. We deal with millions and millions and millions of documents that are produced electronically and we have to sort through them. And there's a whole host of activities that we can engage in and actually have been engaging in that don't require real human interaction. But at the same time, and I kind of echo what Rob said, these defense lawyers need to do something. They have to justify their existence. And so one of the things that we're seeing is all of this coordination work has led to, I wake up every morning because I'm on the West Coast and I have a lot of East Coast cases for better or worse. I'm up by 5 a.m. and I'm on a Zoom call by 5.30 and I don't get off the Zoom calls basically until about 4 or 5 p.m. And then I can actually start working. So I think what we're seeing is in some ways more communication, but at the same time, communication designed towards the stuff that doesn't require in-person appointments. I think a great example of this is the Zantac litigation. You know, that litigation was formed as a multi-district litigation just a month before 
COVID-19 really reached the sort of cultural awareness that it has now before the lockdown started occurring. And a, a status conference was actually set, the first one, where leadership was going to be appointed, was set to occur in mid-March. And yet, to this day, we still have not met the judge. We still have not had any hearings. And the judge, realizing that this pandemic may last for a long time, has set up the first time this has ever been done. It is a across-the-board leadership interview process on Zoom where the judge is going to be doing Zoom meetings with with each applicant, interviewing them, discussing their application. And even though we'll never have had an in-person interaction with the court, help establish the leadership positions that will drive litigation. So I think like in the PI side, in the mass tort world, we're adapting. And I think we're doing it effectively because we have the luxury of putting our time and energy into the stuff that doesn't require in-person interaction. What I worry about, to be honest, is what happens when the stay-at-home orders lift and all of those depositions and all of those court hearings and motions practices are going to happen back to back to back. So for now, we're, we're getting the, the busy paperwork done, getting ready for the nonstop travel that will likely happen once the, once the pandemic passes. Thank you. And Sarah, you have the good fortune of having the perspective of trial attorneys and defense counsel, and you interact with adjusters regularly. So you just heard two perspectives from Brent and Rob. Rob, of course, more on the more traditional PI matters. What's your perspective, Sarah, on how matters are progressing? How busy are you right now with virtual mediations? I'm mediating every day. And for perspectives, I'm sure for all attorneys, it feels as though we've been living these cloistered lives forever. I was actually at the LA Marathon on March 9th, and I came back to Boston March 10th. And because I'd been in Los Angeles, and because Boston had by then become a bit of a hotspot, I started quarantining on the 13th. So since the 13th, I've done 20 mediations, and they've all been done on the Zoom platform. And I guess my observation would be this. I see a great desire on both sides, from the plaintiff's bar, from the defense bar, to try and move cases along. And clearly, different kinds of attorneys have different motivations. On the plaintiff's side, there are cases which were ready to go. They were ready for mediation, or they were just about to be tried. And as both Brent and Rob have already said, you know, even though we're on different coasts, across the country, the courts are closed in one sense or another. So cases that were ready to try do not have a reassigned trial date and will not, probably for months and could be for years. So in some instances, plaintiff's counsel are eager to keep the case on course for resolution. That means getting it into mediation or some other negotiated kind of settlement. On the defense side, what I'm seeing is absolutely identical. So on the defense side, you have cases which were ready to resolve. And if I may take a step back for a moment, when a claim comes in, when an accident happens or an injury happens or some kind of wrong occurs, and there is a policy of insurance available to address that issue, a claim is put in either to an agent or directly to an adjuster at an insurance company. The claim is evaluated, counsel is consulted, and along the way, 
a reserve is set. So a certain amount of money is set aside in order to resolve that claim, whether it be for trial or for settlement purposes. And then on the defense side, the decision makers come up with ranges, a reasonable range in which a case should or could settle. And they compare that to probable outcomes should the case go to trial and should the plaintiff prevail. So those reserves have already been set. Those cases have been adjusted. That is not a pool of money from which an insurance company can say, you know what, we're going to take out of this pot because we need to make we make payroll or other kinds of expenses that have been interrupted by the pandemic. They are looking at these claims for what these claims are worth, what they were worth before the pandemic disrupted all of our lives, and they're trying to get these cases resolved in that responsible manner. So that is my observation. I will tell you, and this goes to something that Brent just said, today, somebody called a case into my office and said, we'd like to hold off and not have it heard until June because we want to have this mediation in person. And I had to call the parties and speak to them kindly, but firmly and say, look, I don't think we're going to be doing in-person mediations in June. I don't know that we'll be doing in-person mediations anytime in 2020. So if you think there's something in your case that absolutely requires an in-person encounter, I humbly suggest you should assess what that need is and try and figure out a way for that need to be met on a virtual platform. Because I don't think there are going to be any in-person meetings this year. Rob, are you finding that your clients are becoming more comfortable with the Zoom platform for virtual mediations? That is when you're physically not in the room with your client? Well, I don't know that the clients know the difference. You know, they don't have any experience in mediation. So, I mean, what do they know? I notice it. I mean, certainly we would prefer to be in person. I think there's some disadvantages in deposition and in mediation to not be in person. But Zoom works pretty well. You know, we've settled three of the four mediations we've had, and I think the fourth is going to settle. They just had to go run it up the flagpole to get some more authority, which I think they will. So I do think it works well. And and speaking to what Sarah was saying, these reserves have been set probably long before the pandemic started as far as the insurance company's evaluation of these cases. So so long as you're negotiating within the range of the reserve that has previously been set, you're probably okay for now. I think long-term, we're going to be in trouble if we can't figure out a way to get cases to trial. And even though only less than 5% of cases actually go to trial, without the threat of a trial, it's hard to have the leverage to settle a case. Right now, it's not as much of a factor because it's sort of unknown how long this will go. But other than that, I agree with everything Sarah has said, and I don't think clients know the difference as far as whether it's in person, and it certainly is more convenient for a client to sit at home and be deposed or attend a mediation, and they don't seem to have a problem with it. So Sarah, could you tell us about the access to decision makers that you're finding in the mediations that you're doing? Yes, I've actually been pleasantly surprised because I'll give you one example. I did a mediation last month, very early on in this process, a 10-party fire subrogation claim. So we had 17 participants, many of whom were claims professionals. And in those kind of cases, 
We have claims, cross claims, counterclaims, claims for attorney's fees, claims for indemnification. So it involves sometimes a claims professional wearing a couple of different hats. And one of the things that's really interesting as a mediator is quite often I am dealing with a defense attorney who has a claims professional to whom they are reporting. That person's not present at the mediation for one reason or another. And they sometimes are difficult to reach by phone. So throughout the day, we are trying to call them and they are either engaged in another mediation or for some reason, they're not responding to a phone call. In this fire subro case I had and in several others since then, every, and in fact, I want to correct myself, in every case I've had of the last 20, all of which have been done in quarantine, I have had the claims professional, the decision maker on the Zoom call. And I've been able to see them face to face and they've been accessible to me throughout the day. Now, keep in mind that they may also be engaged in three or four other mediations at the same time. But one of the benefits of the Zoom platform is I can send a message to them through the chat function and say, I need to speak with you in five minutes. Please make yourself available. And every single time they are. And that has been remarkable because when I can talk to a decision maker virtually face-to-face, the communication is very effective. And ironically, some of these people are professionals I've been dealing with remotely for 30 years. And now I actually get to see them for the first time. So we have some history, but there really is nothing like looking someone in the eye, even when it is through a camera lens. And I find the access has been much, much easier than it was beforehand. And I'm hoping, you know, if anything good is going to come out of this international nightmare, it's going to be that we have found new ways in which we can communicate efficiently get better work done, get it done faster. And you know, this may be a trend that we're going to see going on forward. Thank you. And Brent, bringing it back to you in mass torts, you made an interesting point earlier about what's going to happen when the stay-at-home orders lift and that you're expecting an onslaught of discovery and traveling. Could you expand on that for us? And what do you foresee, Brent? Well, I mean, before the the lockdown, I was on a plane every week traveling somewhere for some hearing involving some mass tort. I assume that all those hearings will come back into play immediately after the lockdown is taken off. But I think in addition to that, I think what's going to be needed is a lot of the down and dirty trial aspects of these cases. You know, when I take a deposition a corporate rep deposition of the main scientist at a drug company, I'd like to be there in person. I need to be there in person because catching every reaction and every subtle response, the way they look at their lawyers, gives you all the insight you need to know exactly where to go after them and get the admissions you need because you're going to be playing that video to a jury when this is all said and done. And so I think a lot of those types of things, the oral arguments that involve sort of complicated issues. I mean, I've just during this lockdown, I've, I've briefed at least two different appellate briefs that I know will be set for argument. One is set for June, and we'll see if it actually goes forward at this time. But we're actively getting ready for when the courts open up. So I think there's going to be a flurry right after just by virtue of needing the court's attention and, and moving forward. But frankly, between you and me, I'm hoping that some of this work from Zoom and work remotely philosophy permeates and sticks in place after the lockdown because 
it's a hell of a heck of a lot easier to appear for a 20 minute hearing by zoom in Washington, DC than having to fly there the night before and, and then fly back the day next day. And do you see a role in the massive discovery involved with mass torts with special masters that, that judges may appoint to help move discovery along even more so than pre-COVID? I think a clear example of this would be what's happening in the Zantac case. I mean, this is this is the poster child for how does COVID affect mass tort, particularly in the early stages. And while we have not yet had a single hearing or a single conversation directly with the court, we did stipulate and appointed the special master who we communicate with daily, Professor Jamie Dodge, and she's done a fantastic job sort of organizing the parties and, and getting us to a level of agreement that I don't think would have happened absent the special master's involvement. I mean, it's sort of unique when you can have a sort of ex parte communication with somebody that's not the court, but somebody who's going to help influence how things happen. And she's able to then negotiate discovery agreements. We've made more progress during COVID in this limited time than I've ever seen happen in an MDL. And yet we haven't even physically met each other one time. It's pretty remarkable how the role of the special master can be utilized so effectively. Well, I think you said it very well before, Brent, and this is what innovators do. They adapt. And trial attorneys are adapting. Mass tort attorneys are adapting. Sarah, it's really amazing to hear that over the course of a little over a month that you've already done 20 virtual mediations. Rob, you've got back-to-back virtual mediations tomorrow. Thank you to the three of you for joining Trial Attorneys Open for Business Wish you all well, wish your clients well, and look forward to hearing more innovative stories of how trial attorneys nationwide are continuing to practice and continuing to advocate for their clients during this challenging time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. For more information, please visit SeniorAttorneyMatch.com. You can always reach me, Jeremy Pook, by calling me at 781 247-4211 or sending me a text message at 617-285-3325.